Welcome to Building a Better World, a podcast that investigates the intersection of the metaverse and how we can apply these technologies to improve people's real lives and enhance humanity. The metaverse is more than a web of networks. It is an unfathomable life-shaping tool. And we, our friends, are here to dive headfirst into the way these technologies can improve our life and the world around us. I'm your host, Rish Lotlakar. Get ready to discover how we can build a better world in three, two, one. Hey, Michael, it's great to have you today on the Building a Better World podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, you know, I'm really excited to have you today. I'm going to start by just kind of giving an intro, but I would love to hear more about your background. So today I'm joined by Michael Denunzio. Michael is the managing director and founder of Pebble Ventures, a metaverse consultancy for leading lifestyle brands. He also hosts the Metaverse Matters podcast, a video podcast that explores how virtual and real worlds converge the way consumers are thinking of self-expression experiences and how ownership is fundamentally changing. Michael brings a perspective of someone who's helped brands get into the internet during the early days of the internet and built and sold a successful digital marketing consultancy. I'm very excited and would love to hear, you know, a bit about kind of the the early days and your career and kind of how you got to where you are and what let you found uh, Pebble Ventures. Yeah, no, sure. Well, like you mentioned, I kind of grew up in the direct marketing world. So, you know, envelopes and mail and catalogs and all that kind of stuff. My dad ran a publicly traded company in that world. And I kind of grew up in the agency world. And I was fortunate that we had a big client, Fidelity Investments, and we were, I kind of saw this opportunity to help them use digital media. So back then, CD-ROMs, I mean, I'm really dating myself, uh, CompuServe and Prodigy and America Online, and then the internet came around. And so part of that is I helped launch for Footcode and Belding, which is a global communications firm, their interactive marketing division way back in 1994. Did that for a few years, left. Uh, with a couple of guys that worked for me, we raised some capital and then we built a firm that was kind of one of the early pioneers in using the internet to sell direct to consumer. You know, now you get all this data instantly. Back then we were getting log files sent to us on DVDs to analyze, you know, so the world's changed quite a bit. We were fortunate. We had very good timing and a pretty good niche in the market. And so we worked with a lot of large companies. Did a lot of different things between there. Part of it, I was helping uh, the founder of Nautica, the sportswear brand, launch and manage a private investment and operating company. Mm-hmm. And that was really great for me because I really didn't know anything, to be honest, about retail or how product was made. I was grew up in the services world. And so I got essentially an MBA in how that whole side of the world worked. And it was great because we were doing all sorts of different innovative things. And I really got the the bug for fashion. I'm not a designer. I probably play one on TV in my own mind kind of thing. But I love fashion and, and really just kind of got into it. So I did that for about four years and then had been advising fashion tech companies and had my own men's luxury fashion brand for a while, wow. which was... That's- a really great experience. Still have it, but you know, not that active really with it. 
but then when the internet, uh, excuse me, the the NFTs and kind of Web three, it really caught my attention about two and a half years ago. And mm-hmm. I think what caught my attention most was this idea that we're now entering this new place where technology is going to be impacting consumers in pretty fundamental ways. You know, things even basic things I shouldn't call AR basic, but you know basic relative to say blockchain or whatever, things like augmented reality and some of these things are really going to change the way consumers interact. And my sense was back then that like when we started Four Points, there's going to be a lot of need for brands to help really understand this space. It's moving fast. There's probably more hype than proof in the early days, like a lot of things. And so that's why we really started Pebble was this idea that how can we be helpful to you know consumer enterprises and consumer brands be what I like to think of as their thought partner, but also their doer. So helping them really solve strategically how to go to market. And then when they're in market, how do we find the best platforms and players to connect them with so that they can accomplish the things they're looking to do? Yeah, so useful to be able to to do the end-to-end kind of you know yeah. implementation and strategy. For brands, so many brands are are I think interest interested in this space and mm-hmm. and don't know kind of how to jump in and and what's the you know the benefit or ROI for them. So I think this is uh, really interesting the the kind of the opportunity to be able to kind of take that experience that you had from the early days of the internet and what was learned and I'm sure there's so many different parallels to what's happening now. Yeah, there are. We um I wrote a piece in April of 2021 actually called Is It 1994 all over again. And it was just this this idea that as this new tech starts to really bubble up and as more consumers start to engage with it, what are just some of the things to be thinking about and how to be thinking about it relative to everything that I learned going through that massive period of the internet um from, you know, the very very early days all the way through crashes, through mm-hmm. next evolutions, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so we and I in particular really draw on that experience and try to and try to really remember everything that I learned from that journey of you know seven or eight years to things that we're doing now for brands and what brands are going through today. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, it's it's important to have you know the perspective of of you know, similar cycles and to be able to, I think, put those parallels and kind of match those patterns. So I could see how that's very instrumental for you as you kind of think through the future of of what's happening. Just curious, I know you mentioned NFTs was kind of how you you kind of got into some of what's happening now with with the metaverse and web3 you know what what was your kind of first impressions of that what was the thing that kind of sparked you to there was something interesting here that was going on from your you know pattern matching from from yeah that, yeah the most interesting thing that caught my eye was digital fashion this okay. idea that we could be wearing wearing all sorts of different outfits throughout a day whether that's tops bottoms jewelry you know, anything. It really just was interesting to me, especially as someone who'd been in the product world for so long, making product and knowing what it takes to make product and the lead times and the supply chains and just kind of all of that stuff. 
this idea that social media is already, you know, fully entrenched in everyone's lives. People love to express themselves in all sorts of ways. And now when I started to see the early digital fashion, I thought, wow, this is super interesting. Like I have a 13 year old daughter and she can express herself. She has nine different avatars on Roblox. Right. And so, you know, she can express herself in a million different ways with Uh digital fashion. And so that was the real light bulb for me was this idea that, wow, self-expression can fundamentally change because of things like digital fashion. And then, of course, all of the technologies that are, you know, kind of surround the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. Fashion is, a, I think, a, a really interesting use case in the metaverse for a variety of reasons, particularly, I think, the environmental aspects of, sure. of that, just in terms of, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we we buy and sometimes wear only a few times and maybe you know some of the the influencers and creators that you see out there are just kind of doing it for maybe a photo or creating some content around a new outfit or something like that and and maybe that doesn't have to be a a physically made outfit it can just be totally digital so i see um, yeah. that's a very interesting kind of use case there what do you think is the future of that as we think about fashion? How do you think it's going to transform currently how we're working with brands and, and designers and and creators? I know that, you know, Nike's done some very interesting things with, you know, involving their fans and customers into the creation of fashion. How do you see that kind of transforming? Yeah, I mean, Nike is definitely one of the leaders for sure. They acquired Artifact pretty early on in the game and have been doing quite a bit of innovation since then. And they've recently launched their swoosh.id program. That's one that I'm paying quite a bit of attention to, um, you know, one of the early beta members of it. And it's super interesting to see how they're bringing their brand and creators and building a community and participation and that's really part of the change in the model you know it's not just somebody says this is what's in style now brands are reaching out to creators and communities to help them decide what's in style Um, and i think that's that's a really neat phenomenon that's going on and there's a lot you know there's a lot of other brands in the fashion space that are being quite innovative, Adidas and Farfetch and Tommy Hilfiger. But ultimately, what I think they're doing is is they're finding new ways to better engage with their consumer. The more that the consumer can, if they want, be involved in a process, be closer to a brand, feel like they have a say in certain things, it's pretty natural to just think that they're going to have a better relationship. They're going to be a more loyal customer. They're going to be a more profitable customer. Mm-hmm. And it's really a win-win. And so that's one of the big changes that I'm seeing. The, the other thing that you just talked about with sustainability, I don't know if this is true, but I had read, I believe, somewhere that certain a pretty high percentage of, I don't know if it's Instagram, just social media posts are just one-time shots. And and so when you think about digital fashion, that's a really nice use case that it solves for. So if you're an influencer, you're someone who posts quite a bit, whether you're a formal influencer or not, and you want to have a new outfit every day or 
three outfits in a day, whatever it is, digital fashion is a great solution for that, obviously, um, because you can, you know, you can buy a digital wearable, you can post it on social, and it's uh, it's ones and zeros, right? It's not fabric we're shipping all over the world and all that kind of stuff. And so for those use cases, kind of like going back to my daughter's avatars on Roblox, you know, she has all these different outfits that she didn't, well, some she bought digitally, but you know, she wouldn't have that many outfits in the real world. And yet she can express depending on what kind of mood she's in that day. Uh, so those are pretty big, dramatic changes that were just really at the really at the beginning stages of. So when you start to think about audiences, the size of a Roblox and other gaming platforms and all of these things, and then platforms like DressX and others that are reaching out to, you know, through your phone, then you start to say, okay, wait, this is a multi-billion consumer market. What is the real opportunity here to help literally billions of consumers around the world express, experience, own? That to me is, it's kind of got drowned out a little bit in the last six to eight months because NFTs and crypto and all that crash, it was just been a bad time. But the, you know, the internet crashed and yet the internet kept growing. Uh, so I feel like we're in the same thing with kind of Web3 and the metaverse, like NFTs crashed, crypto crashed, but there's a lot of building going on right now. And the, there's a lot of, sort of super exciting things that are going to be unraveling, unveiling, I should say, over the next 18 months. And so that's what I'm super excited about. Yeah, I would love to hear that. I mean, just to hear more about what you think the future of of some of these, I know the tools and partnerships that leverage uh, metaverse-related innovation are some of your focuses in terms of driving better content and engagement and conversion. Um, yeah. Just curious, as you know, as you mentioned, the future, wh- where do you see that going? I'd love to be, love, be very curious sure. about hearing that. Yeah, I mean, we're we're really focused on a few areas right now. Loyalty is, a, loyalty is one of them. So probably the most watched Web3, I'll call it, loyalty program is what Starbucks is doing, right? So yeah. they've recently launched this whole new program. I was fortunate to get in early, and so I'm part of that too, which is, and it's really, it's really interesting to start to think about what they're trying to do and how they're trying to do it and what's how they're going to introduce this to, you know, millions or maybe tens of millions of consumers, right? Which is going to open up the doors to, are we going to be in a place a year from now where so many millions of consumers have been introduced to ideas like what Starbucks and other brands, Nike and others are doing, that that's going to become the new norm. And that, so as you start to think about loyalty, you have loyalty, which is traditionally transaction-based. And a lot of the new Web3 loyalty in theory is based more on engagement. So now you're starting to add engagement to transaction to create kind of this sort of more enriched loyalty profile. That I think is a really, really hot topic, not just because of the Web3 technology, because it matters to pretty much every marketer in the world, right? Yeah. So how do we, how do we, you know, better engage and 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 have more loyal consumers? Um, mm-hmm. So that's one big area. The other is this idea of using digital collectibles to mm-hmm. keep people engaged with your brand in particular for brands that have a kind of a low frequency of purchase so if you're sort of a maybe a luxury brand or a premium mm-hmm. luxury brand where you someone purchases from you once a year or you're a car company and they purchase from you once every 3 years or 5 years whatever it is 
Yeah. How do you use digital collectibles to keep them engaged with your brand in between those purchase times so that ultimately when you are ready to do your next purchase or get a different product from them, it's not like you haven't heard from them for six months. You're kind of going along the way. And so as opposed to getting just another email that says 10% off or 20% off, so I go, we're giving you a digital collectible. And now you can be part of this community and there's these additional benefits that you're getting as a result of it. And mm-hmm. now you have a wallet and maybe that's wallet. At, you know, so there's just all these kind of new tools yeah. that we're really excited about for brands to engage. Yeah. No, those are um, very important, you know, hot buttons for, you know, brands right now. As, as you said, how do you, you know, increase sales and engagement and how do you, again, keep your customers uh, through let's say, as you said, a, a process that maybe, you know, naturally they wouldn't engage, but every few years when they buy a car or buy some big purchase from a luxury brand, in this case, that they're very able to kind of do these other kind of, you know, gamified things that mm-hmm. that keep them, you know, front and center with with you and have your brand, you know, very directly in contact with them because they're engaging and interacting in these ways. How do you explain that? to brands. I'm just curious, like when you talk to brands and, you know, they're obviously curious about these, these concepts, the metaverse, web three, and how do you help them to understand why these things are going to, because it seems sometimes that, you know, telling someone they're going to get a wallet and create an NFT. And, you know, I'm sure you get asked, like, why can't we just do this the normal way? (laughs) You know, what's your answer to that? Yeah. Well, we always like to start out with ultimately what is the enterprise looking to accomplish, right? I mean, yeah, it always has to start there. What are the objectives of the enterprise or what are the objectives of the brand? And so every brand, you know, they might be looking to raise awareness. They might be looking to generate new revenue streams. And so we have a matrix that we start with, with all brands that Mm -hmm. said, you know, of these six different topics, what's most important to you? Mm -hmm. And then what are you doing from a marketing standpoint that we can evaluate whether or not NFTs, Web3, Metaverse, AR, whatever, is going to help make that better. It's yeah. going to supercharge it, as you know, we like to say. And so you might be doing something in store, right? And so are we going to use Web AR as a way to enhance that experience for people that are walking by or something in store? that maybe you're scanning a QR code and it's bringing something in a display to life um, in a better way. Um, so we we always try to explain it within the context of what their objectives are in the first place. And that makes the conversation a lot more grounded because I think I would like to think we're pretty tough on ourselves to say, hey, does this make sense? I mean, yes, you can do things for innovation's sake, if you want to call it in quotes, but Anything, in my view, innovative, we should be really looking to see if it can scale, especially from a marketing standpoint. So the conversations start with the things that our clients are thinking about every day, which is what are they trying to accomplish with their brand? And then sometimes if if the question is, do we really need to do this as an NFT? That's a legitimate question. Um, The answer isn't always yes. The answer could be an NFT doesn't necessarily add value to what you're doing, yeah. it might, in the sense it might be great because there's still good PR opportunities, 
It might be good because we plan to add utility to this NFT either at the outset or later. But yeah. it isn't always the right answer. It could just be we do a digital collectible. And and we've done that where we've done digital collectibles that are not NFTs. And it was perfectly appropriate for the situation. And we didn't miss. So it wasn't really necessarily Web3, but it was a new immersive way to engage with consumers. And that's ultimately what we were trying to do. Yeah, no, I think it definitely uh, is, is, it makes sense that you definitely have to understand, you know, whether they do have to, uh, you know, what technology is best fit and what, what's, what's their goal and try to, you know, again, keep the conversation focused on what's going to provide them with the most benefit as opposed to kind of just fitting the, you know, specific NFT or Web3 tool into their, their offering, if it doesn't make sense. Have you thought about, and I, I know you have, I, I guess the one thing that really interests me about this space, you know, as I think about Web3 brands that are moving into, in Web2 brands that are moving into the metaverse, the opportunity for uh, an upstart in any category, fashion's a good one, or luxury, to be able to or content is another one, digital media, to be able to create an, a new company based on a new IP and you know go metaverse first or native metaverse right. brand and what that looks like because they're not restricted by some of the more traditional, you know, we just talked about how you have to convince someone to maybe do an NFT or do a collectible. But if you are talking about an upstart brand that wants to be metaverse native, what advantages does that brand have as we think about the space versus a traditional brand that wants to get into this space? Yeah, that's a good question. For a traditional brand, I don't know if it's a disadvantage, but you have to be really thoughtful about what are you going to morph or port over as you're starting to interact with consumers in both virtual environments and real world environments. And that's really important because we obviously never want to throw away all of the kind of intrinsic value that has been created over time, and especially some of these heritage brands that have been around for a long, long time. We have to be very careful about making sure that the values of that brand are properly translated as we're engaging with consumers in the world. When you're an upstart brand, it's kind of one of the nice things is, is you don't have any of that. So you have an opportunity to really do essentially whatever you want. Um, and ultimately, hopefully, whatever you want really resonates with a consumer somewhere. There's a couple of, you know, I think really good examples. Colton Rain is one of them, which is kind of the, and they're also doing physical product, but, you know, really, really, really doing interesting stuff and the way that, that they've created their brand and how they're continuing to evolve that brand. So, challenges for these early startup brands is they don't have built in audiences already. And so it's somewhat of a nice thing that you can do whatever you want. But then you also kind of have that cold start problem. Like, how do I, how do we build an audience around this? And, and so I think for the ones that to me are staying up top and have over the last, you know, we'll call it 18 months or two years, they've really done a good job, I think, from a PR standpoint, 
Mm-hmm. Um, they've really been able to get out there with very unique messaging, super cool and interesting products that are kind of visually arresting in some ways. You're like, wow, like I'm really, I'm going to really take some time to look at that because that's cool. And they're, they always seem to be in the right places. You know, they're speaking at the right events, they're doing the right things. And so I think that's the big challenge, but big opportunity at the same time for these up brands. And I love seeing them because oftentimes to be candid, I'm like, I'm not sure who the customer is for that. And it really intrigues me, or I'm not sure that's a long-term play. And it just really intrigues me because I don't know the brand, so I'm not close. So I'm not being critical of it. I just like, wow, that's so different and so new. I wonder if that's a flash in the pan or staying power. And then, you know, a couple that have been around for a couple of years, I'm like, wow, that's, that's quite a vision they had, you know, they were bringing something to the market that, you know, probably they may not have even known was going to be the successful, but they've, they've been able to find that audience. And, and that's really cool. That's really good for the space too, because a lot of legacy brands can learn from that, right? Mm -hmm. Like what are the things that, and there's a lot that, Web3 brands can learn from legacy brands too, by the way. Um, so, you know, there's to me where I like to think of it as almost like this, how do we build more collective expertise? How do we yeah. share with each other ways that we can all help each other out really at the end of the day? Um, and so the more we can bring Web2 and Web3 together, the more we can bring uh, content and technology together, we're everyone's on a learning journey here. That's the most important point. And uh, so, you know, the more we can do that, I think better for everybody. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think Web3 brands have so much to learn from Web2 brands. So the perspective that you bring is so invaluable from being around in helping, you know, helping those brands get in on the early days of the internet and seeing this again. I, I think that's just amazing. So it's uh, oh, thank you. really, really important. Uh, going on to another topic, you know, yeah. I know you have a podcast as well. Metaverse Matters would love to hear, you know, we're pretty new at uh, building a better world podcast here. And, right. and I've learned a lot from all of our guests and and the conversations that we're having. And it's just so amazing to hear the stories and to get get some of these perspectives. Um, just curious, what's it taught you? I mean, just, you know, about either this subject or your life um, when you're having these conversations. Just curious to hear about that. Sure. Yeah. Probably the most important thing is, uh, like you just said, I can't believe, I shouldn't say I can't believe, I do believe how much I learn every time I'm on these conversations. I learned so much about what it, t- like we interviewed uh, someone who did one of the early leaders in developing avatars. And just at first you're like, well, you kind of create a digital person, but then you listen to him and you're like, wow, he's, to me, I was like, he's kind of the Steven Spielberg of avatar makers. Like that is just a whole other level of thinking and thought that goes into what he's doing when he's creating these things. So we've had some great creators on where, and I've been around creative people my entire life. I'm not a creative person, loved, as I said, play one on TV, but I'm always amazed at this idea that you give someone a, like a blank piece of paper and say, go make greatness. Right. And like, that's, overwhelming to me to think about. But then the more we talk to these creators, I just love how I understand their process and what they're going to. And then watching how they've evolved. So some of the earliest people we interviewed, you know, are now it's like a year later and seeing, you know, you see them on LinkedIn, you see them and where their companies are going. And 
And I just find that great too. Um, this idea that, you know, when we spoke to them, they were in a certain place and now a year later, they're in another place. I love that because it's, they're sticking with what they're doing. And some of them are having really, really good success, which is, which is nice too. I also learned it's hard to do podcasts. It, you know, to put together my partner, Lauren, uh, now is handling all of the kind of the content strategy around it and, you know, put together really good questions and do your research and, and try to be a good host, I think it's hard. So we, we, that's another thing that I've learned, uh, but it's, but we're sticking with it. We just finished our 12th episode, I believe. And we have a few more in the can that are being edited right now. And I love it. Uh, so we'll have to have you on, you know, it'll be yeah, super fun to it. talk and do super well, but I learn a lot. Um, you know, you spend 40 minutes with somebody talking deeply about their business and how they're thinking about it and their views on the space. You're just going to learn a lot. And so I do. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you come, come out of every episode with, uh, new nuggets and friendships and, uh, yeah. just new perspectives on the space. You know, I'd love to hear some perspectives on life. Um, what are some of the things we talked uh, prior to the show starting that you went on a hike? What are some of the things that you do personally that keep you very energized and, and motivated and, and things like that? I'd love to hear about. Sure. Of I'm sort of a routine type person. You know, my typical routine is get up. I try to meditate first thing in the morning just to get the day off on a good foot. I have coffee in the dark where I just think. And then usually by six o'clock, I'm on email going. I like to get up early. Um, I fall asleep early. So that's always a really nice thing is to start the day that way. Today, I did go on a hike right before this podcast because I just had so much going on in my mind. One, to be candid, I was a little nervous about being, I, I've been a host of a podcast, but but it's my, I've spoken on panels a lot, but this is my first podcast. So I was like, maybe I should just go for a hike and let my mind clear and do that. So yeah, hiking is a, is a big thing. I've got a couple of kids, 13 and 17. And, nice. um, you know, when they're at, when they're at that age, they're kind of the center of your life really. And, and so that's a huge amount. They're very different people. And I just get a lot of, um, just, I don't know, energy from them to be honest. Uh, so, uh, but you know, we live in Northern California. It's pretty easy living out here. It's pretty nice. So you can go on hikes, you can go down the ocean. Um, I don't golf nearly as much as I want to, but you know, maybe I'll fix that this year. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I've learned with being in startups for a while and being in a space like the metaverse, which, you know, we're doing a 24 seven and yet you can always feel behind. Yeah. And so I'm, I've learned how to try not to feel behind. And how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. It's, I've kind of reduced the number of things I read, but in particular, I try to reduce the number of rabbit holes I go down. You know, there's so many, I can read about this, I can read that. And the next thing you know, you could be in all these different places. So I really try to limit the, I try to really identify at the beginning of the day, what do I need to actually get done today? And then try my hardest because I'm a curious person. So, but try my hardest not to go down a million rabbit holes because they're all interesting. That's kind of the point. Like they're all like you come across Superworld, had, say I hadn't heard of it. It's like, well, 
I'm so curious. Then there's a video and then you're trying the AR and you know, and the next thing you know, you're, you're 45 minutes into it and you're like, Oh my gosh, now I gotta get back to all these other things. So definitely try to, to just be pretty disciplined about what I'm trying to accomplish each day. Yeah. Which, you know, some days I'm better at it than others, like most people. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, there's a book that I've read a couple of times and it's always good to reread it because it just reminds you, but it's called The One Thing. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. Oh yeah. It's really great. Um, I'll give you the, um, let's see if I can find the author. It's the guy who started Keller Williams. The, sure. It's called uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller, who's the founder oh. of Keller okay. the real estate company. Yeah, sure. And it, it's it's a great book on the what you just said, which is really kind of trying to refine your day to whatever that one thing is and like focusing mm. on that. It's hard to do, especially in our space where yeah. there's so many things. Right. <laughs> I yeah. think anyone could say anyone would say this, but you know, especially when you're talking about the metaverse bringing together physical and virtual. So, but yeah, I, I highly recommend that book um, to do what you're trying to accomplish as well. You know, I'll ask you another question about, you talked a bit about the, the kind of things that you do to disconnect, uh, hang out yeah. with your kids, go on a hike, things like that, and do meditation, things like that. And then we've been talking about the metaverse, which is all very virtual things, fashion, you know, yeah. talked a bit about that and just loyalty and engagement using kind of avatars and NFTs and how does that come together? So what are your thoughts on, you know, how, when you're on that hike, what are you doing? Like, how are you, how, how is that connecting to your virtual life? How is that connecting your physical life, physical life? Just want to get, you know, the reason I bring it up is super world. That's what super world's about. Right. It's all about kind of, you know, how do we try to keep you in your physical world? Cause we, we're all about the physical world, but we're all about bringing, virtuality and and web three to enhancing that physical life so i'm just curious on on your views about those things kind of you know in your own life how do you think about those things yeah you know for me i haven't traveled a lot over the last couple of years like so many people i see it more much more active and engaged when i'm traveling when i will be traveling i was recently in london because i was at spoken nft london and and i was found myself just trying to think about using AR as I was walking down streets that, you know, obviously I don't walk down every day and things of that nature. I love Florence, probably one of my favorite cities. It probably is my favorite city in the world. And, and like, if I were traveling there today, there are so many places I would want to go back to and use these technologies to make that experience richer, you know, go to the, you know, the leather market and the Duomo and the Ponte Vecchio and all these places that would, I think, be really interesting and fun. And so in my day-to-day life, when I'm hiking or golfing, again, which I don't get to do as much as I want to, I don't typically bring those two worlds together because those are true releases for me. They're really meant to be unplugged. But other than that, yes, at home and things of that nature, I really do. I like AR a lot. I think it's really come a long way. Um, and I like the idea of experiences. Like even with Superworld, I was pulling things just the other day in my living room, um, which I thought was cool. Like, you know, it's like someone posted something from somewhere and I was able to use that asset and do different things. I like that because to me, that's just a fun way to spend some time. It's interesting. And ultimately, 
that's what's going to make or break all of these companies that are in this space if they really found a way to enhance and enrich an experience for a consumer. Um, mm -hmm. So that was a long-winded answer, sorry, but uh, that's kind of how I think about these worlds coming together on a more persistent, consistent type basis, if, if there is that. No, it's a great answer. I like the fact that you said you like to totally unplug. I mean, that's that's what we're we're all about that. You know, I, yeah. I, you know, I use an example of I have like a whoop band on, right? And, you know, that that monitors my sleep and just my workouts and different things. It's very passive. I don't even know that it's on, yeah. but there's data there. There's things that are being tracked. And, you know, again, you know, um, I'm giving whoop permission to know that about what I'm doing. So I think of, you know, some of these things as we, you know, build Superworld kind of, you know, how do we enable you to like passively benefit from your mm -hmm. physical activity, whether it's playing golf and, yeah. you know, giving you incentives to go play golf and enabling you to, you know, get benefits from other companies or brands um, because you are on the golf course, you know, potentially. Right. So, yeah. and, and to do that in a way that enhances the unplug. So kind of in, in doing it in a passive way, doing it in a humane way, meaning not to, again, make you feel like you are plugged into any device or need to check things or things like that. Maybe you just, you know, you, you got a PO app for, for going and playing golf and next yeah. means that you've gotten something else, you know, from this luxury brand that you're working totally. with, things like that. So, but yeah, that's very interesting. As a closing, I'll go to a couple of uh, fun questions that would love to hear. Um, you know, I know learning is very important for you. And, and uh, you know, we talked about the podcasts and how you're kind of picking up things all the time. If there's anyone in the world um, that you could take out for lunch, um, you know, current or in history, who would that be? And what would you want to learn from this person? Well, I remember growing up reading a book from Lee Iacocca. I just remember, I don't know, maybe I'm Italian, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, I just remember that book was pretty interesting to me and kind of shaped some of how I think. So clearly somebody like that would be pretty interesting from a business perspective, just, you know, what were things like then and kind of what they're like today. From a today's standpoint, I think it would be super fascinating for me to talk to folks who've built, you know, just incredibly amazing brands that are they're they've kind of transcended all sorts of things. You know, I'm I remember when Tesla first came out, I didn't, you know, it was kind of this racer type thing and I didn't totally get it and and to see what that's evolved into is pretty amazing. Now we in the Bay Area here you see a million Teslas, but but it to me it's just kind of amazing. Like, I would love to talk to people like that who've been able to make these brands that have just permeated all sorts of things, you know, the Patagonias of the world that, you know, those say things like, like, I know it didn't happen overnight. Uh, you know, these things happen over 10, 20, 30 years. But like, what was that journey like? And how does it feel 30 years later, 40 years later to be looking back on where that brand is today and how many people across the world it's touched and what it means to them like that would be a super cool lunch to just sit and soak it all in and uh, you know just say start and then an hour later say thank you you know <laughs> not say a word in between because you just want to hear the whole thing to me that would be really great 
Yeah, that's awesome. No, it's uh, very, very interesting. I think each one of those brands has such a, you know, interesting, unique story that you can learn. I'm, I read a lot of biographies, so I'm always you do. okay consuming stories of of history of of people and brands and creator. Yeah. So yeah, very interesting. I'll close with a final question, which is, um, you know, kind of related to what we do at Superworld. Superworld's a, a virtual world. We cover Earth, right? Mm-hmm. We have virtual real estate covering any location on an earth where you can buy virtual real estate and become a stakeholder in those locations and activate monetization from, you know, all the different things that we're working on in the metaverse, right? Um, curious, where in the world is special to you? Where in Superworld, where in the world would you acquire virtual real estate and why? What's special? Where, what kind of story would you tell and what would you do there? Well, if I only one? It could be more than one, which, oh, okay. is, which is what okay. the typical customer gets about 10 to 15 properties. Yeah. Well, it's hard to pick just one place, right? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you're asking me hard questions. So if I had if I had a few, if I were able to pick a few, one that I would pick, and I should go do this, is the apartment that my parents had back in Brooklyn where I was born. Uh, they just celebrated their 60th anniversary last week, and wow. it was super cool to think 60 years. Wow, like that's pretty amazing. Um, I'm not even that old, right? You like, and you've been married a lot. Like that to me would be pretty interesting to just think like when my kids' kids say like they can go to Super World in 20, 30 years from now and be like, that was Papa and Nana's place. Like that, you know, that's kind of where it began. Like that to me would be interesting because there's, some legacy and some story and it could be gifted and all that kind of stuff, which I think would be, it's a, it's an heirloom, right? Uh, it could be pretty cool. Florence would be a place for sure. Um, being been there many, many times. Uh, so I definitely somewhere in Florence, I'm not sure which piece of real estate I had to guess probably uh, the Duomo area because been there so many times and it's just such an amazing structure. So I would say those would be two that I would definitely want. Nice. Yeah. It's always great to hear hear the stories. They're always personal stories. So I, I really enjoy that. You're a fan of fan of Italy. I, I love Italy too. So it's um yeah. wonderful place. So much history and culture and so many creators. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well thank you so much. I'll ask if there's any anything you want to say to close it out, any any message or anything you want the world to know. You know, I want to thank you for building a better world and all that you do. Love to hear if there's anything that we miss talking about that you want to mention. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on. It's been fun. Some of the questions were hard. Thank you. But no, I just again, I really appreciate it. We're all, I just maybe reiterate the message of this idea of collective expertise. Um, there's so much we can all learn from each other that, and I think the community does it really well, honestly, but we just need to do more of it. You know, this is going to be a really important year for Metaverse and Web3. Um, I think it's a real proof year. And so the more we can help each other, you know, on that journey, it, to me, the better. Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And how can anyone find you on the internet? What's the best place to find you, Michael? Sure. LinkedIn is great. So just Michael Denunzio and LinkedIn or Pebble Ventures at LinkedIn. And then pebbleventures.com, our website. So please do. I'm becoming more active on Twitter. It's relatively new for me. Um, so I'm I'm there, but not super active, just kind of 
I've been more active over the years on LinkedIn, uh, but definitely finding a lot of value now out of the metaverse web three community that's on Twitter. So, but I would say, you know, LinkedIn is the best. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Uh, really great conversation. Looking forward to uh, talking again soon and uh, sure. appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for yeah, being you too. Better, building a better world podcast. You bet. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Building a Better World. For more, search Building a Better World in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Superworld, thanks for listening.